So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back on what a weekend. I thought I was excited last weekend after we had our first round, but seeing some actual Australian teams play, seeing some Australian tries scored, uh, it was a great feeling, great feeling indeed. Welcome back. This is the Running Rugby Podcast, of course. I am Archie Hughes, leading on as always, and joined with me, we have Toby in London. How are you feeling, Toby? Mate, I'm pumped. It was a great, yeah, great weekend of rugby. Yeah, that's right. And Leo, back with me in Australia. How are you going? Yeah, great. Uh, heaps to talk about. So much to talk about. Really, really good to see some proper game. That's right. And, I mean, we saw the most Australian wins we could have possibly had this weekend. We should get stuck in. Of course, we're going to focus on the Australian games. And where better to start than the Friday night epic out of Melbourne. The Rebels taking on the Reds with the Rebels winning 45-19. to but a lot of controversy in this game, uh, a lot of a couple of cards, a couple of big calls, and a lot of points scored. The most points the Rebels have ever scored in a Super Rugby game. Yeah, it looked like a, a, a slightly nervous start from both sides. First first game of the season, trying a few different things. We're, we're starting to see what these guys have uh, sort of built in terms of their strategy and their tactics for their side, for the coaches have been trying to mould their teams into, so... Lots of lots of potential there, but a lot of handling errors and, and some errors. Uh, the game clearly affected by the red card to Scott Higginbotham and and other card to Lukan Tui with that dangerous dangerous tip on Will Genia. Uh, but actually, the Reds remained very competitive in this game, even though they were down to 14 minutes. It's amazing what can happen when you when you're under stress. Yeah, definitely the Reds. They they made quite a few turnovers on their defensive line. So this score could have been much bigger. There could have been more points there for the Rebels. And equally, when they were down to 14 or 13 men, the Reds really hung in there. So I think there are some good things that Brad Thorne and the Reds can take out of that game. But, yeah, it's very disappointing to see Higgers kind of infringe in that way and just give away a, a silly a silly penalty that opens him up to be red carded. Like, honestly, I didn't think it was a yellow, like a red card, but still, he's the captain of that team. He needs to be smarter with his play now. Well, he did something similar at, even in the first couple of minutes of the game. He came in and tried to clean someone out. So, I mean, people talk about, oh, it's a bit of a brain explosion, but I've seen it so many times from Higginbotham doing this. I just, I don't really understand his yeah. thinking about it. He's got a lot of aggression, you can see that, and that's part of his game. Like, that's an important part of his game, but he's got to control it. And and no, he would have known, as a captain, they would have discussed what the referees were going to be looking for. They talked to the referee before the game. So he would have known the areas that they would have been looking at. Shoulder to the head. Like, he can't complain too much about it. Maybe a little harsh, but, you know, I just... I hope he doesn't miss the next game, which he could. The contact was was lazy and and risky, 
and you yeah, can't afford to word, you can't afford sure. to go in there like that. Like, it, but even even you could see the motion of his shoulders. You could see that he was trying to deliver a pretty solid tackle on on the player with his shoulder. But you can't take the risk that it's going to slip up or in, impact too high. And you know, like you said, it's not it's not the first time I've seen it from Scott Higginbotham. He unfortunately probably has a bit of a reputation even amongst the officials keeping an eye on this guy because he's he's uh, a, a higher-risk player for doing something like that. And if he'd got a yellow, I think Tui would have probably got a red. I feel like that was a bit of a balance when they... when they That's a pretty ugly tackle. Uh, if Will Genia had just decided to stay down and play that up a bit, maybe the ref would have had to go to a, a red again. He might have thought it was really serious. But Genia just hops up, shakes it off. He's like, you know, that was... You know, just probably pretty disappointed that he could put on his head, but he he, yeah. he was okay, yeah, yeah. so he stood up. It didn't look like the impact, the impact of what had happened was was going to be too significant. So, who he gets away with it with a yellow? I, I think those two probably deserve to be um, almost swapped over, and then maybe that means Higginbotham doesn't get many weeks. Um, they might say, look, seventy minutes is a lot. That's a big that's a big impact on a match. I think two is more likely to end up with weeks. I think they'll review that and I'll say, no, that's not just slightly over horizontal, it's well past. Obviously what they need to be worried about, and I think every team needs to be worried about that for this season and be aware of that because we saw it in a lot of different matches, the high tackles and the shoulders hits not wrapping around and they're going to get cards, they're going to be free with these yellow cards all season, I think. Let's talk about the the good things that we saw, the, some of the strengths. I mean, we talked about some of the defence from the Reds was really good. I mean, I was really impressed with uh, their hooker coming through. I hadn't seen a lot of him. They wrapped him a lot with his performances in the NRC out of, out of Queensland last year, and I thought he lived up to a lot of that hype that they were talking about with him. That's the Reds the Reds hooker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is that Payanga Ramosa? Yeah, Payanga Ramosa. Yeah, Payanga Ramosa was good. I thought the, the open side flanker, I think it's Adam Korsic, was, was solid, and John O'Lance was, was everywhere. In a game where you're down to 14 early, you're 13 for a period as well. Um, to to have someone still chasing chasing hard after after a line break all the way to the try line, even though he's not going to get there, uh, and and just involved in defence all over the field. John O'Lance was huge in this in this game, uh, so that was really impressive. That that's why I see the Reds as being. Uh, I think they've got the character and the and the the squad there to be very competitive, and they were really just you know handicapped out of this game. Uh, early on, and then the the kicking out of Aiden Toa, I, I've got to admit I didn't fancy him much when he was at the Brumbies. I thought he was uh, sort of a tier below the the really top fullbacks, but he's he's won me over a bit in this game. I thought he was really good in cover defence. His kicking was really accurate and well timed, well selected when he was taking those uh, clearance kicks, seeking a bit of territory. Sort of injected himself really well. Yeah, it's interesting, Aiden Toa, obviously, at the Reds before. And I think part of the reason that the Brumbies recruited him was some of the play that he showed on Friday night. And you're right, again, about John O'Lance. Like, he was everywhere, big in defence. Um, he's very direct. He actually reminds me a little bit of Bernard Foley, the way he takes it to the line. And you saw that. He made a couple of breaks. Um, didn't particularly have the support there around him to offload, um, but was in clear space a couple of times. And just ghosted through. I think if he can continue to do that, if they go with him at least for three or four games and, you know, don't bring in Hamish Stewart just because they've lost this game, for example, 
Because it's the Reds were competitive in this game. I think you'll both agree. I don't think they're getting rid of John Lance off the back of that game. I think he's just he's he's improved his stocks. And where we where we talked it last week, whether we thought John Lance or Duncan Payour was going to be vying for that number ten, I actually really like the combination they've got there at ten and twelve. I thought that was yeah, really good. They've definitely yep. taken uh, the best of both players and managed to get that out of them. And then you've got Samu Karevi and their and their wing stocks that they're actually looking pretty strong. Nabuli was a bit disappointing. He still has his habit of getting involved with a player who's leaping for a high ball. I don't I don't know how it's it's a discipline thing again. It's more discipline uh, like the forwards we talked about already for a guy like Nabuli to not take more care when he's already been pinged so many times, co- contacting players who are who are off the ground in the air catching a ball. It's, it's pretty disappointing. And if he keeps that up, well, maybe someone else comes in and gets his starting spot. But generally, I think that back line is looking pretty good. As long as their forwards are rolling hard in front and there's eight of them, then they should have a pretty good platform. God, it's nice to see a number 10 just putting on some big hits. It's really good. I mean, I was a bit worried at the start. Lance had a couple of errors starting off. But then you see him have, like, Matt Phillip, second rower from the Rebels, charging down on him. This two meter tall, uh, yeah. 120 kilo. He recovered well, and he, yeah, and he makes a tackle. He doesn't make it completely stick, but he does enough to make Matt Phillips sort of juggle the ball and lose the ball. It's it's great to see. It's not it's not a fact where they're going to have to be hiding him on the wing or out at fullback or anything. They're happy to put him in the front exactly. line. They can leave he's their backline yeah. intact. It's really important. He's, he's almost the direct opposite to Quaid. He he looks for contact. He's a direct runner. He doesn't hot step around too much. And he'll provide the ball out when he needs to. He's very good with his decisions to Duncan Payer. Like that guy has a bit more of the flair. And when he, I think playing at 12, he gives him a bit more space, which is good. I and he can really, kind of really have that interplay up. with Karevi. So Reds, look, it looks bad on the score sheet. They're, they're a lot better than what, you know, what opportunity they got to show on Friday. Whereas I think the I think the rebels are actually pretty disappointed with them even for all the points. But you think about if you if you substitute a New Zealand team into the situation the rebels were handed ten minutes into that game, most of those New Zealand teams have the discipline to put the foot on the throat and just continue just absolutely bombarding the Reds. To, to work on those tired players and just shred that team as as time goes on. I think forty five is. I think they could have they could have scored a lot more. As we know, the Reds' yeah. defense stood up, but the the direction in attack of not to not to ride the negative side too hard, but they just didn't look like they had any direction. They had they had Genia taking quick taps and and sparking things all over the place, which is great. Great to see Genia um, in in some of his better form. I don't think he's been there recently but to see him back this week playing like that was great but outside him Debrasini I wasn't inspired at all he he did have a couple of uh, clever moves where he cut round to the blind side and, and and quickly pulled an overlap but all he really had to do was um, head in that direction catch and pass just catch draw the man and pass it's, it was the the attack in the midfield where he's supposed to be looking for which runners you know he's going to hit a gap where where's the Where's the strongest opportunity? And he just—he looked like he was blundering around a bit. He almost took Genia out on a bomb. Um, they were trying. They both went in to catch it. Genia was under it the whole time. We know Genia can catch a bomb really reliably, 
Debrecini runs in from 10 metres and almost bowls him over. So I don't know yeah, quite how the that IQ, happened. The, the IQ is still lacking a little bit with Debrecini. He, he didn't look particularly good in the first half. He kind of warmed into the game a little bit, second half, um, exactly and had a bit I mean. better like, direction. He, he's, he's in a situation where he's got 14 guys in the opposition. They're all tiring, and he yeah. couldn't really capitalise. Like, you, you put a Bowden Barrett, hopefully a Bernard Foley, these sort of guys in, in that situation, and I think they do so much more, and it worries me that the Rebels weren't really able to capitalise on it and they, they still have great stocks like Dane Hale at Petty uh, and Reese Hodge. And those guys were, I barely saw them. Oh, I don't know where they were, if they were just unused or, or they no, they weren't built I've... into that attack. I thought they, were, they, they did a few good things, but th- those guys should have been getting the ball a lot more often. What, what, are you, what are you guys talking about? You're talking about a guy that went out and scored two tries, kicked five of seven conversions... Like, he, yeah, sure, it took him a while to get warmed up into the game. It's the first game of the season. But 45 points is nothing yeah, to say. It's the most they've ever scored. Why Why would you say I don't that? think we... Perhaps we're being a little bit harsh, and, and perhaps that's because the Rebels have such talent in that back line, and you don't want someone at first receiver, you know, stunting that at all. And I think Jack Debrasini, he didn't cake that control that needs to be taken. Like, John O'Lance, I think, would have run that back line a lot better. Well, but, John O'Lance you know chose, chose not to go there. And then Debussini yeah, was going to leave and they brought him back, so he wasn't even training most of the off-season. Yeah, well, I think based on that performance, even though there were those two tries in there, I think they're still keen to see what Jack Maddox has got at 10, and they're going to move oh. him from the wing to 10, at least for one game this season because that's what the Wallabies want. And so there is that push from Checker to have Jack Maddox play there at 10. And so when Korobiti comes back and you've got Naya Valu, Korobiti and DHP at the back and then you have, you know, Tom English, who's at 12? Reese Hodge at 12. And then Jack Maddox, that number 10 position in that back line is almost the only position that's up for grabs in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's true. I hope I hope the person who's in that in that role will play better than first half this this week because that that really worried me. I, we all had pretty uh, high hopes for the Rebels with this group. Forty five points. I know, yeah, forty five but... points. I think it should have been more. I agree with Leo in that respect, but I think that's also to do with how good the Reds were in defence mm-hmm. and they turned the ball over. The, the Reds were turning the ball over at the last minute three or four times in that red zone where the Rebels should have scored. So I think it's partly Red's really, really excellent defense with 13 or 14 men on the field, but also Rebels still have a lot of improvement in them. They can score points, they have the players, but they need to execute. But I think they have even more potential to dominate teams when they have 15 players and really win a bunch of games this year. Uh, I will agree that they have more potential and they can improve on that, but... It's the first game of the season. I think I think they're building towards something really good this year. And quick quick shout out to to um, Will Genia's haircut as well. Um, he's gone from the short crop thing. It looks like he's paying a bit of homage to Michael B. Jordan from Black Panther or something. I like it. I'm, I'm a big fan. I see what he's trying to do. I don't I don't like it. I don't. I think I think he nailed it 
last year with the like flat top. I thought he was killing it with that. Nah. And now he's he's just going more towards like Elton Yanchis. He spends half the time tying it up. We'll see if he keeps that going. Never know with Will. He might just go shaved head out of nowhere. So I like that he's trying something new, but I'm not I'm not a massive fan. Anyway, looking forward at the the big men for the Rebels. I was super impressed with what I saw from their pack and their so many big men, so many big ball runners that are so hard to contain. I mean, you you have Adam Coleman, you have Matt Phillip, both had big games. Matt Phillip in particular just was a workhorse and just kept looking and was hungry to take the ball up, take it into contact. And you add that to the stocks they already had with Lepetti Tamani and Amanaki Marthy who hurt his ankle but he sort of battled through and it's just so much, so much that... Oh, it's a great pack. Yeah. It's a great pack. It's just going to be and tough to handle Colby with any Colby Fanger team. to come back, perhaps. Yeah, Richard Hardwick, Colby Fanger to come back to seven. They're going to get mm. better. Definitely. Their young front row is going to get better. I Yeah, I'm a bit jealous of that because the Tars, their forwards just look soft. And <laughs> yeah, yeah lots, lots of exciting things. Let's, let's keep it moving. Let's, let's look at the next Australian game. Uh, we had the Sunwolves taking on the Brumbies up in Tokyo, and we all predicted a bit of a blowout here, but the Sunwolves kept it reasonably close, ended up with going down uh, in the end 25-32, to 32, Brumbies coming out in victory. I just, um, first off, sorry, Leo, I just want to apologise to the Sunwolves. Like, I kind of wrote them off last week. They were quite impressive, to be honest. The Brumbies didn't have a great game in general, but the Sunwolves look like they're a bit of a changed team this year. Yeah, I think the I think the way the Sunwolves played, they put the Brumbies in their place early, and and that may have disrupted the Brumbies a bit. I mean, they were lucky, really. The Brumbies had a couple of lucky tries. They had one against the momentum with that offload that that sort of no one saw coming from Ben Alexander, the Leliofano. He, he basically stopped, and then suddenly he's got the ball in his hands, and he's he's quick enough to to pop through the line and and ditch the ball out through the next set of hands, and they get a try there that really didn't look like it was coming at all and then the immediately after half time within the first few minutes the Sunwolves had a bit of a brain snap and, and tried to pass the ball across the field into a to a player in the in goal and they managed to hit the post and that the the was it Tavita or someone just scooped it up and and yeah Tavita so like that's that's probably 12 or maybe 14 points I can't remember what the conversions were you know, this is only a, there's only a seven point margin in this game. That's two easy tries that they came out of nowhere. Really, I I think this definitely could have been this could have been an upset. And and I think I of all the games, I actually enjoyed this one the most. I think it was really competitive. Yeah, the, I was expecting a lot from the Brumbies, and they did look a bit rusty early. They brought it together in the second half a little bit more, um, and the Sunwolves did take advantage of of some of their. I think more their defense out wide. Maybe that the Sunwolves like centers and wingers were running right a little bit there, um, and it was sad to see Archie's favorite Rob Valentini go down early with I think a knee injury. Oh, he was looking so good as that, well. That was that, oh, he puts on the hits. No, I think we saw something that we haven't really seen from the Sunwolves in recent seasons, and I'm not sure if it's a result of getting someone like Jamie Joseph in for coaching, but. Just their structure, it was a lot less sort of one-out play. It was a couple of sort of short runs, and then they weren't afraid to throw it wide and really unleash unleash their wingers. And we saw some really sort of danger men with both their wingers sort of coming away with tries, I believe. And, yeah, looking like they were sort of, you're right, Toby, running right over some of those outside 
uh, defenders out for the Brumbies. This this team of Sunwolves, this they look like a New Zealand team. T- traditionally, they've been a very quick team, maybe not the biggest team, but definitely quick and, and trying to use um, numbers and, and, and outflanking teams out wide. And it's and it's usually the discipline and the then the basic skills. Like there's in in the past few seasons, we see a lot of drop ball. They're, they're trying a bit too hard, a bit too frantic. But this team were really physical in defence. They had a great defensive structure, which only really got broken down once once teams were once the Brumbies were able to break through that front line. They didn't really have a second tier to scramble and cover. But their first line defence was great. They were really disciplined, making good decisions. They had. A, period there they did had a 20 20 phases when have we seen the Sunwolves stitch it together for 20 phases i'm pretty sure well, when do we see australian teams do that yeah, they well, don't do it exactly very often right. either it's without it's making a mistakes so yeah and that that You're whole right. sequence looked really strong i think there was an attacking sort of chip kick in there as well and and they were using decoy runners which again really reminiscent of the new zealand team so i'm really excited i, I think there's a few games this year where i would have written off the Sunwolves, but i'm I don't think that's the case anymore. I'm definitely going to be thinking about them pretty seriously, depending on their uh, opposition. Yeah, look, it's it's uh, I don't know. It's from a Australian point of view, they they're in our conference now. We're thinking, yes, you know, this is going to be an easy team to beat. A couple of wins here this season. Yeah, we we were thinking that, and now we're definitely not thinking that. And this is the first time in the Sunwolves history that teams are going to be. You know they're going to be looking out for them because, based on that performance, they're dangerous. I I don't think they'll be too disappointed not to get the win against, you know, quite a strong Brumbies team. They're probably quite encouraged by that performance generally. I think so. Hopefully the travel doesn't get them too much, um, and we can see some some more strong performances like that. Yeah, and switching over to the Brumbies, a uh, couple of good stories that we saw coming out here with some of the new recruits coming out and showing. I mean, we talked about the shame with Valentini, but you saw Richie Arnold having a reasonably strong game and Leliapana getting the start at 10 and having the full 80 minutes to come out and, you know, show the show that he's he's welcome back. Welcome back to Super Rugby, Christian Leliapana. Yeah, he was impressive. Had good direction. Um, I think he'll get better. He's, he's not quite back to the form that he was a few years ago, but... You know, considering what he's been through. Oh yeah. Look, considering what he's been through, I'm just thinking how did he, how has he got that strength back, that power? He's still quite explosive. He can go through the line, he's got his quickness. Yeah, and I think importantly, first game of the season and in his own personal circumstances, not overplaying his hand. He he didn't try and do too much. He he did a job and he was really proficient in, in what he was trying to do. Um, he had a really busy back row working around him, so he had a good amount of support there. Yeah, obviously we know what the Brumbies' backs are like. That that new that new back three looks looks pretty solid too. Yeah, mate. Tom Banks. Of them. Tom Banks. Yeah, He's seeing good. seeing the birth of another Wallaby there, I think in Tom Banks. And I was, I mean, I'm a fan, but I I liked what Chance Penny brought. But switching away from the backs, can we talk about how good Issa Nicerani looked? Oh, he played all eighty. He's just such a good buy for the Brumbies. I think he'll be the buy of the season for any of the teams. He he's gonna is he eligible for the Wallabies this year, or am I mistaken? I'll have Not to check sure. that. I believe he wasn't yeah, eligible last that. year, but I I believe that it is at some point this year that he becomes eligible. It may be only for the spring tour. Please tell me he's there for the World Cup next year. 
people like Hooper, Pocock, um, even Rob Valentini, guys like that that have some size about them, they're mobile, they can match a lot of the New Zealand forwards. Like guys like Lee Squire that are just big units but can run and they can pass, they can do it all. So he's the type of guy in attack and defense you want in your team at all times. And he can play, like we saw him play the 480, so he's got the fitness. When David Pocock gets back into that back row for the Brumbies, they're just lethal. And their type five's very solid as well. Anyway, so if we look at some of the weaknesses the Brumbies had, I think, yeah, they were a bit rusty. They did lose the ball in contact. They made some silly mistakes. I don't think that you'll see a similar performance back-to-back. The Brumbies will improve. They won't be happy with that. Um, probably weren't expecting such a tough hit-out, even though they, they won't say that publicly. I'm sure they thought that they could go up there, put a few points on, have a tough game, but not a, as tough a game as this was. Like, this was quite a, a physical game. And yeah, I think the Sunwolves did their did the homework really well because traditionally the Brumbies have been a strong line-out and mauling team. Now, they couldn't really match them in the line-out. The line-out by the Brumbies was pretty consistent. They only, by my count, they only dropped one line-out really, so that was a really good set piece for them. But they didn't actually transition that well into mauls. The Sunwolves did really well to disrupt that, and that is something that the, the Brumbies, how many times in former seasons have seen people like Stephen Moore and Man Ray just hanging on the back of a mall, easy, easy tries. So that was a positive for the Sunwolves more. But yeah, and the Sunwolves big men like Sam Wax and Willie Britz at the in the second row and number eight, they really had a big part in disrupting that. But I think that's something the Brumbies will definitely look to improve on next week when they head to Brisbane to take on the Reds. Yeah, I really liked Joe Powell in this game. I thought he had a great, great game. Uh, none of this two, three, four steps, just quick delivery, accurate. Straight onto the chest. Um, that's that's going to be saying that helps keep the Brumbies attack. Yeah, they're good. Like with him, he he provides that quick ball, um, which is excellent. So that's going to help Christian. They're going to form a partnership. Not sure where Herrera is going to fit in, but yeah, we saw Herrera only get on at the end. I think it's going to be hard for him to make a place in that starting lineup. But just uh, before we move on, I've just vetted Nicerani becomes eligible for the Wallabies in 2019 March. So he will have his sights set on that World Cup. Perfect. You think that he'll be... Amazing timing there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So let's let's swing around. Let's head to probably one of my favourite places, Saturday night at Allianz Stadium. The Waratahs taking on the Stormers. And look, we said it was going to be a close one and it came right down to the wire. Waratahs winning it with a try after the buzzer. 34-27 to 27 over the Stormers. This is a really close game all the way through. They were they were just matching each other. Um, but the Waratahs they're so they're so good in attack when they when they pull it all together. You see these uh, great great placement of that bomb follies. He perfectly measured that just for Falau to run up and leap onto it. And can't wait to see more of that this season. And um, some of the other play with Curtly Beal back in the inside backs there, just uh, linking up with with all the talent they've got. I think they had a pretty good game, but it was it was very inconsistent. Uh, a whole bunch of errors, which really set them back and let the Stormers back in. There was there was that tit for tat where we'd score and then they'd score quickly, or they'd score and we'd score quickly, and you kind of feel like if if either team could sustain that, then it would have been a lot less uh, even. But 
Um, the Stormers, the Stormers were up to it. They they crushed our scrum for a while there. Uh, they kept, they kept themselves in the game, and they'll be very disappointed at the end there to to allow the Waratahs to get that try to finish off and and take the win. Look, I've heard people talking about the Waratahs pack this week and being really impressed with what the names they were reading, and I just don't understand it. And I think we saw it on the field. I, looking at our type five, I am so worried if that's the names we're putting out on on the field against even another one of our Australian teams, especially in a New Zealand team, I don't think we're going to be able to compete. Yeah, uh, when I yeah, like I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I saw the team sheet come out. Jed was on the bench. I shed a tear. Um, <laughs> no, Michael Wells, look, Michael Wells wasn't that bad at eight. I think he's probably better at six. I'd like to see Jed come in. I think once... Jed came on later in the game. He really lifted the tempo, and he had had some big carries towards the end there. Which I think off maybe off the line out subsequent to Hugh Roach kind of taking it off the back in that last play. Jed really just he broke the line, and then they swung it back to the right, and that's where the try came through. Hannigan, Hannigan was impressive. Um, a lot of people hate on him. I think it's probably the more the way he looks sometimes with his hair rather than his play because. I'm seeing an improvement from him. He looks bigger. He looks stronger. He looks less intimidated by the contact. Like, he looks for the contact. That last try, if he... I think you said it, Leo, like, last year, you don't believe Hannigan would have scored that try. No. No, like, that's... He's, he's backed himself. He knows the game's on the line. We see a lot of guys who seem to take the contact. They, they, they get involved in, in the tackle and just drop and they're you know sometimes that's necessary sometimes you've got to take the hit drop get the ball back get get your support involved but i think he knew he had the opportunity there and he just put his head down he, he bumped that guy off and and just drove hard through and whether he whether whether he would have had the mental strength or the confidence to back himself to do that last year or whether he would have had the the size and the strength to do it i i'm really happy that he that he does have both of those seemingly this year. He's backing himself. He's a workhorse. He doesn't look too big. He looks like he's strong, but he doesn't look heavy. He doesn't look slow. Yeah, he's still, so he's, he's so still he's quite lean. Yeah, he's maintained the, the the ranginess that he had before. I think he's he's building really well. I mean, this is only one game, so uh, I hope he can put it together game to game to game. But he, he looked great, and I agree that the, the starting lineup wasn't inspiring. I, I was a lot more impressed when the reserves came on and and not just because they were they had such an impact they they were playing against tied opposition but Hugh Roach Hugh Roach had a couple of really strong runs which is great the the rest of the front row came on and the, and the scrum did improve which again fresh legs but but I think I don't know I think we have our doubts about Paddy Ryan's uh, prowess in the scrums and once they slotted Hannigan into the second row and and filled that back row again that that looked to be the the pick of the bunch and Rob Leo, 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 Leo. yeah let's let's hear it let's hear your how you truly feel about Rob oh. Simmons because he just he just set it up for you this week. I'm actually really happy because I don't think I need to sell this anymore. I think the product is there for everyone to see. Rob Simmons, ill discipline. He he cannot seem to keep himself out of trouble. There's moments in the game where the Waratahs aren't under pressure. And a a bit of ill discipline 
creates pressure and suddenly we've got to turn we've turned the ball over conceded a penalty against the momentum of our attack in our half or the the one at the line out where he got carded he he just dropped yeah. his head and and went in blundering into the to the lifters of that line out how does like what, are you what was he trying how, to do how does a how does a guy who's played so many games at super rugby level and has been a wallaby so how does his mind work that he, that's the decision he makes it's it's incredibly frustrating and i think he he's he's always i i think he's always been a bit like that and i think today oh sorry on on saturday night we saw all those bits of of that player who i, I think it's the sort of stuff that gets a guy dropped and honestly i i think the waratahs would be better for it look I'm personally worried about Staniforth because I think Rob Simmons is running, rubbing off on him at the moment. I think you need to get Rob Simmons away from Staniforth because I think you're just going to turn up with two... Contamination. Yeah, it's, well, a, mate, it's spreading, good, it's an affection. I've, I've got some good news for you. Rob Simmons has been ruled out of the tour with a hamstring injury. Yes! Yeah, oh. Rob Simmons. Did, Sorry, Rob Simmons. How much do you think his is actually hurting? Because I reckon I've had... I think Rob Simmons has been ruled out of tours before. Yeah, well, he seems to keep getting picked for the Wallabies. So, and Michael Check is not a stupid guy. So I don't I don't truly see... Maybe it's just the line-out prowess. But then when he does that in a line-out, on a defensive line-out, and gets himself yellow-carded, you know, at the end of the day, I think the guy that replaced him eventually, I was playing the second row eventually off the bench, Palmer. looked pretty promising, Nick Palmer. Mm. He's probably a little bit... He's a little bit slight, doesn't have quite the weight that Simmons has. But yeah, Staniforth, probably a bit of a workhorse. He, you know, he didn't show a lot. But our front row, like our scrum, our scrum generally was, was quite poor. So missing Kepu there is a big factor. I think we had quite a light pack. Like we were looking at like 860 kg versus the Stormers that were pushing towards the 900 kg mark. So we've got a few light guys there that that aren't particularly helping us in the scrum either. You know, you've got that technical prowess that, that Kepu has, and when he's not there, we do suffer. It's the same with Tolulatu. Like, Fitzpatrick is a smaller guy. And Fitzpatrick does... Look, I'm not going to bag him. He played above his weight. Similar to Hugh Roach um, in that way. But, yeah, there's a lot of improvement to be made in that scrum for the Waratahs. I don't know what Daryl Gibson was doing leaving Tom Robinson on for as long as he did. He was getting monstered by Kitsoff. He was absolutely outplayed. And then you saw him... I Look, I know the two props out on the bench were unexperienced. They were two young 20-year-olds. But they came on, and I just saw a level of stability that... Look, it makes me excited for the future, because between Harry Johnson-Holmes and Vui, uh, who I think is a yeah, Kiwi... Yeah, Vui, mate. Yeah, they, they looked really good. I mean, look, I thought Johnson-Holmes was getting a bit... Big for his breaches, you know, pulling out his, his singing voice at that press conference last week. But no, nah, he backed it up with a good performance off the bench, and so did Vui. was running some really strong lines off the ruck. Yeah, Shen Vui. I think he's out of New Zealand, very, very, you know, good reputation behind him already. And he, I don't know, Robertson's a wallaby. I'd probably be leaving him there for now. Pat, Patrick Ryan, no thanks from me. I'm going to hold back from that one and not go off too much. But... I just see those knock-ons again coming from... It's not acceptable. Got to got to pull you up a little bit there because I was looking at the way 
the forwards were getting the ball out of the out of the ruck. So when we're using our forwards for one out hit ups, we're doing one of two things, or maybe maybe one of three things: easy forward hit up, clear who it's going to, just try and cross the game line, get the defence moving back, just creep forward, which is fine. Generally, that went okay. The example you're talking about, Hooper came running in for like the short one out ball, and he he basically ran into the line of the pass. Obviously, had to, had to pull up to to stop it actually clattering into him, and then Paddy Ryan's going to be put off by that. So I wouldn't hold that particular okay. one against him. But Fair call. but that that, that, that disorganisation amongst the forwards is who's it going to? Hooper obviously thought it, something was on. Now he hadn't talked to Jake Gordon or didn't get the signal. Paddy Ryan's set and ready to go, and then that happens. You know, you kind of all bets are off. But then the other thing I saw, which is the third thing I don't really like, is. They get they go the one out man, and usually in any in any of these uh, setups, you've got the guy taking the ball and at least one guy trailing as your support for the ruck. He's gonna he's gonna bridge over, secure the ball, clear out whatever it is. And the Waratahs have this habit where they pass the ball out and then they do this short pop pass forward to forward. So the guy who was the lead runner pops it to the support runner, and that to me is too much of a. You know, you've got to have really reliable hands to take that quick pass and, and shovel it on if you think the guy off your own shoulder is going to run through the gap because you've drawn the defenders in. What seems to happen is we either knock it on or they get it to that guy, but there isn't really a gap there, so it wasn't worth passing. And then that guy with the ball is the only one going forward and he has no support when he gets tackled because the guy, he was supposed to be supporting the ball runner. He becomes a ball runner. The original ball runner gets sort of pulled, held up in, in, in a collision that was coming because he's drawing a man. And we lost the ball multiple times. The Storm is doing things like that, where really we should just back to basics. Just Yeah, no, you're right. And I think the good New Zealand teams tend to go into those collision zones in a, like a pod and basically backing each other and almost forming like a mini mall, but going to ground straight away when, when they kind of lose that momentum. And then you've got maybe a third guy if there's two guys going in together kind of sealing off the ruck whereas the Waratahs tend to play around with it pass it to each forward and then yeah don't have that structure going into an offensive ruck and that's when the Waratahs play poorly um, just we gets, saw it, it the last couple of years and looks disorganised and I, I didn't really like that so I, hope, I think the guys that came off the bench were much more simple simple phase football which is what I thought worked well yeah that's it they were the first time we saw people getting the ball at pace from a big run-up and people like Vui and Roach and Holloway were the ones that were making real meters and getting us some go forward I mean we've talked a lot about the forwards but we can talk a little bit about the backs really there's not a huge amount to talk about I think because because we as we said the Stormers backline defense was very good so you didn't see a lot of the Outside backs get a lot. I didn't see a lot of Fichetti or really Rona really in this game. I mean, Beal was... How good is it to have Beal back? You saw him, he almost, he almost scored three different tries. He created yeah, three different opportunities. He's amazing. Yeah. And I think it was unlucky not to... Sort of for the Stormers to get penalised on that second one where the guy sort of flung out an arm and sort of tapped it. Um, and then he sort of bobbled it forward. How is that not a card? How can they have earlier in the game, Khaleesi touch touch the ball as like a, oh like it sort of caught him off guard and he almost kind of took a chance to intercept it. The ref looked around. Oh, there was not really a try on no overlap, so it's just a penalty. Okay, so you've, you've reviewed that with respect to should that have been a penalty try or a or a send off. 
and then yeah, I, I agree completely because look, if he had, I thought the ball almost it almost looked like the Stormers guy touched it and it travelled backwards for him towards his own goal line. So I was prepared for the fact that they say okay, he's actually hit it, but it's gone backwards, so it's a be or knock on. But if you've said he's knocked it forward, and it ended up being a Waratahs scrum, you have to then say, look, he didn't really have a big chance to catch that because he didn't. He just flung out an arm. And you have to treat it like you've treated every other situation. And you have to card him. And you have to... Look, we've still, we saw penalty tries this weekend from exactly the same, similar thing. You do that penalty five minutes out, it's a card, it's a penalty try. I, I don't understand some of those situations. And to be honest... Three more times, sorry, including that time, three times they had a, an intercept that wasn't actually taken, was a knock-on, and none of them were reviewed the same way the first one was, where I think, as you said, the standard and the expectation from other games would be that all of those were potentially uh, a penalty, not a scrum, and in circumstances with Beal, a penalty try. The guy walk, catches it and walks over. He almost caught it anyway. Well, you would have seen that, like in the Lions Haguaro's game, there was a situation where there was a similar thing, and it led to a yellow card and a penalty try. Exactly. But there is inconsistency that's still there, and I think there there maybe is an issue with when you see a bit of a knockdown or just interference with that pass, and there's not a reasonable chance of catching the ball, and that's what they're saying that phrase, and then they're contextualising that with the opportunity out wide and whether, say, if that pass hadn't been interfered with, um, would they have scored a try? So they're looking at multiple things and trying to, I guess, gauge the seriousness of that offence. Whereas last year, they'd just be like, oh, you knocked it down, yellow card. Oh, you're Bowden Barrett, you knocked it down again for the sixth time, yellow card. Like, this is a different way of looking at it. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes to next week because there were quite a few instances of that happening, and, and there was an uncertainty around it, and the players were confused. You could see that. Yeah, so, I mean, it was good to get the win, as we said. Great try over the buzzer with Ned Hannigan there, and Waratahs get the points to go ahead, and that's a great way to start off before they're heading overseas to South Africa and South America in the next two weeks. All right, and that's all the Australian games for the week. Let's, let's go around and have a bit of a look at the other games uh, that we saw, starting with... Look, the Highlanders versus the Blues over on Friday afternoon. That was probably one of the games of the rounds. Highlanders coming out victors, 41-34. to 34. Bet you guys were scared when you saw the Blues after that. Yeah, the Blues did look better than, uh, better than they were last year. They were, they were competitive uh, throughout. I thought the Highlanders were really, really good in defence, though. Really quick, tough, a quick D, quick line-up, targeting that second receiver. The Blues are still a bit loose, but at least they're willing to attack their... You know they're, they're throwing the ball around. They had a few miscommunications throwing ball over the sideline, but again, I'm not going to ignore them as a threat when the Australian teams head over or, or they come to visit us for sure. Blues, um, yeah, I was very impressed by Highlanders as well. I actually, when I tipped the Highlanders, I thought, oh, not too sure about this. I didn't know if they were going to have the flair. I don't know. It's one of those classic derbies in New Zealand where you just you look at it and you think, oh, I'd love the Waratahs to play like this a little bit. Yeah, this was just a great game of rugby to watch. Um, and it was still strong defensively, even though that scoreline suggested that defence was maybe average. It was, it was both facets of the game were, were very strong. I think if you wanted to get someone interested in Super Rugby, you show them that game. Yeah. 
Agreed. And I was a big fan. I think I think Matt Duffy from the Blues on the wing is going to have a big year, and I think he's going to start pushing for some opening some eyes for national selection going forward. Their um their fly half Gatland, he was um he was pretty good too. Keep an eye on him. Bryn Gatland, yep, son of Warren Gatland, the Wales coach. Moving forward, we have the other. New Zealand Derby for the round. The Crusaders taking off the Chiefs up in Christchurch and the Crusaders... Oh, the Chiefs kept it close for a little while, but in the end, a couple of late tries made the score blow out a little bit. Crusaders taking away 45-23. to 23. Yeah, and McKenzie at 10. Don't like it. Um, I, I think no. he's too close to the middle of the field. He, he doesn't have a chance to explode in the, into the outside lanes and really outflank guys run around them. So I'd... Honestly, I think that's almost a handicap having him that close in, and I, I do wonder now if they're. I think they're fullback. Um, Natai was there. Yeah, fullback? Charlie Natai. Yeah, Charlie Natai. I think he went off with some sort of lower leg injury, probably an ankle yeah. or something late on. So there's a chance they have to reshuffle things, and I reckon they'll be a much much better team with McKenzie back out at um at fullback. I think that's his best spot, and the Crusaders disciplined. No matter what the situation is, they seem to just be able to get them all, get themselves all aligned, do a job, and that's that's why they win. Yeah, well, they scored six tries, and I'm looking at the stats here, and the Chiefs actually win quite a lot of the stats. Um, but yeah, I agree. McKenzie for the Chiefs needs that more space to work with. I think having all the kind of creative opportunities on him and having to to put guys in space around him, he's he's probably better with a bit more space. So um, I'd like to see him back at 15, but then you might actually see another McKenzie in there at 10, Marty McKenzie, because they don't actually have a lot of depth there at 10. So yeah, that's it. Might be we'll see we'll see what they do from here. They didn't look particularly bad, but you know the Crusaders in the end made pretty light work of them. I think mm. McKenzie, Marty McKenzie, actually might have gone off concussed too. So he's another one that'll be 50-50 for next week. Uh, I was impressed with the Chiefs' wingers. They've lost a couple in the form of James Lowe and Nanai Williams wasn't playing in this game, but one of the new men, uh, Alamalu, um, had a great game. So I was impressed with uh, the young wingers they bring forward. I don't know where New Zealand bring these guys from. They just seem to have endless supply of them. Yeah, Stevenson as well was very strong. Um, Anton Linnett-Brown in the back line is quality. Um, But the Chiefs, yeah, I think they're going to fall off a little bit this year. Crusaders look pretty much as strong as ever. They got class across the park. They scored a try with 14 guys on the field. That's just so they, they can keep their structure and discipline. One less guy, no problem, still scoring tries. Mm. It's hard to even pick out one person from the Crusaders to say had a great game because they are all just stock standard and they all just do their jobs and they, they win games. That's, that's it, they win games. They're a team. They just win. Yeah. I want to see Scott Robertson dance again, so I hope they keep winning. Moving on, uh, we head over to South Africa. Uh, The Lions took on the Jaguars, the Haguares, sorry, from Joburg. Uh, Lions showing a bit more attacking prowess in this game, uh, coming away 47-27. to But Haguares putting up a little bit more of a fight this week, Toby. Yeah, I watched this one. It was on, obviously, a convenient time for me. And the Lions, again, you know, Archie said 25 points. He got pretty close this week. I actually tipped them by 18, so I was closer. But, you know, they were ahead by 25 for a bit. So there you go. That's something for you. The Haguars, are, they're actually leading in this game at the beginning. Um, but 
yeah, they just couldn't keep their discipline. And that, again, has been a problem with them um, throughout the last couple of years. So Lions, amazing kind of some amazing tries there from their wingers. They're just so quick. Um, they looked much better than last week. Are you still tipping the Lions to take a step back in 2018, Tobes? Um, yeah, look, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. I still, I'm going to persevere with that. Lions yet to be tested, um, really tested. And I think once, once they play one of these New Zealand teams, perhaps the Blues, Highlanders, Crusaders, yeah, that's when they're going to really feel it. And that's when I'll, I'll, I'll reserve my judgment until then. Leo? Didn't see it. None of it. <laughs> Either either of them. I, got, I can't add anything to this. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the other game... Just, just skip through me. Just other game coming from uh, up at Loftus, uh, the Bulls taking on the Hurricanes. And I think we were all expecting the Hurricanes, even with the travel, to come out victors here. But Bulls kept it close and took the victory 21-19. to Yeah, again, I probably put my foot in it with this one and said the Canes were just going to kill the Bulls. Um and I think the Hurricanes maybe went over there a little bit complacent and thinking, you know what, we can rest a few of our star players. We can put Bowden on the bench. We can, Geordie's out with injury, but it doesn't matter. Dane Coles wasn't there. Um, and yeah, look, they got, they got shown up a little bit by a Bulls team that's a young team. They threw the ball around. They chanced their arm and they were quite dynamic at times. Um, this was the lowest scoring game of the round. Um, and I, I wasn't thinking that at all. I was thinking that the Bulls might get a few tries in there, but the Hurricanes would put on 50. I'm going to, yeah, I'll look for a recovery for the Canes next week. They're going over to Argentina, but they'll be very disappointed, I think, to drop that first game. And it's tough for them, yeah, with a lot of travel, as you mentioned, heading over to Argentina next week. But that's all the games for this round. I think we should have a look ahead. Let's go through the rest of the games, give it a few tips and what we expect. Uh, next week... I think we'll start with the Australian games. So, as you mentioned before, the Reds are taking on the Brumbies. Reds get a, the first home match of the season. Uh, what do we expect out of this? I'm expecting the Brumbies to bounce back, but also the Reds to be fired up to play with 15 guys for hopefully 80 minutes. At the moment, I'm taking the Brumbies. I think the Reds, again, will keep it quite close. I don't think it'll be a blowout. And Brad Thorne is, is yet to really show his influence on that team. So be interesting one to watch there. I agree. I think the I think the Brumbies have the favoritism rightly just. Um, Reds at home. Last last week was an example of how poor discipline can derail even a good team. And until until we see the Reds playing with discipline, I'm not sure how uh, losing how long they're gonna lose Higginbotham and, and two E four if they do. Uh, I think they're probably going to be a bit disrupted and have too much to, too many corrections to make this week. Whereas the Brumbies will be coming back happy that they've they've beaten the Sun Wolves, but maybe given an early season reminder that it's not always as easy as you think. I think they'll prepare well for this, and and they look like a more gelled squad together. So I, I think the, the Brumbies will have it, but another close one. I, c- I can see it going to the Reds too. See, I, I see the Brumbies bouncing back with a vengeance here. I'd- I don't see the Reds really challenging them. I think the Brumbies are going to come out with intent and not let them let their attack get stifled early like they did with the Sunwolves. Um, I'm almost changing my view after seeing that Sunwolves game. I'm looking forward for when the Sunwolves take on the Reds because I reckon it might be the battle to avoid the wooden spoon in this conference. 
Yeah, yeah I'm with okay. you, Arch, on that one. So, so, how many... Okay, Reds, Reds and Rebels. You reckon the Rebels are that much better than the Reds? That they wouldn't even be in the, in the sort of bottom half of the conference? Dude, Rebels are going to win the Australian conference. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I actually kind of think that I, I, after last week, I know they won and I know it was 45 points, but I think getting a lot of love to the, to the Rebels and I, I reckon the Reds are going to surprise us. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to have any problem with the Rebels looking even close to the bottom half of this conference. They're going to be challenging the Brumbies. They're going to be challenging the Tars. But round 13, that's what you've got to look forward to. The Reds travel to Tokyo to take on the Sunwolves then. But let, let's keep on going. Let's keep on going there. Uh, next Australian game we have is the Sunwolves themselves taking on the Rebels. Still back in Tokyo. They get two home games back-to-back. What do we see coming out of here? Can the Sunwolves pull out another close one? I think they can win. I'm, I'm going to tip the Sunwolves <laughs> on this one. I'd... Well, what? No. I've, wow, I've, you're down I've on the Rebels, enough. man. It's one week. I've seen enough of the Sunwolves last week. If they do the same thing and the Rebels don't don't get their act together, their, their attack is... If, <laughs> if the ball isn't going to get past 10, I'm going Sunwolves. Don't get their act together. Wow. I hope you I hope you back that up when you you're doing this on your official tips as well because that's a massive of course. call. Of course. Okay. I'll, I'll look respect. They were strong, and it is the Brumbies, and possibly the Rebels aren't as strong as the Brumbies. So you you got some logic there, but for me, I'm taking the Rebels. I don't think they'll be you know they'll be happy that they put the points on against the Reds, but they'll understand that that's a win that should have been had regardless. Yeah, I think they'll be excited to get up to Tokyo and put some points on again. Um, so I think it won't be as close um, in this one. The Rebels will win comfortably. Yeah, I've got Rebels comfortably taking this one away. I think when you've got someone like Kenya that's going to be guiding your team around, you're not, you're not too worried about any one player stifling the attack. I think they have enough class, they have enough poison. With another week of training under their belt, they're going to be fine. They're going to take the Sunwolves by at least 10, 15 points, I reckon. Next, Waratahs then heading across to South Africa, and their their games against the South African competition keep on going. They're heading to Durban to take on the Sharks that have had a bye this week. What do you, what do you reckon, Toby? Oh, mate, it pains me to say this, but I, I think the Sharks are going to take this one. Oh, luckily, it's not at altitude, but if the Waratahs put out a similar pack to, to what they did against the Stormers... Sharks pretty strong against the Lions, and flying over there, it's always a tough trip. Um, I just don't see our forwards getting it done against the Sharks, so I'm taking the Sharks, and it hurts me to say that. Yeah, me too. If if I could see the team sheet now, and and we did what we what we'd like to see, if they did put a lot of those reserves in and, and mix that forward pack up more, I'd, I'd give the Waratahs a good shout here. But I I think if they go to the same same eight and play I'll, I'll give you their forward pack right now and tell me if this changes your mind if if i put look i put harry johnson holmes in at one we keep fitzpatrick and we keep robinson in the front row you got ned hannigan sliding into second row and you keep staniforth in there and then you put wells at six hooper at seven and you have holloway at eight is that is that enough to change your mind probably yeah no yeah, i probably. need tolu sorry i think tolu's going on the trip if tolu starts if they keep Robertson at one, put Tolo in, put Sheklavu in, um, maybe keep Staniforth there with Hannigan, Wells, Hooper, and Holloway. 
that might convince me. But that would be like the baseline scenario to convince me they're going to win. And they're not going to do that in week two, or, or sorry, game two after one. They're, no coach is going to change it up that much after one week, especially not off a win. Uh, I reckon the Waratahs are going to ride high. I'm going to I'm going to keep backing them until they really let me down. So Waratahs are going to take it in a close one again. Might be okay. So we need Hannigan to t- score again after the final buzzer, but they're going to win. Going to win by three, I reckon. I like I like your optimism, Arch. Mm. Love it. Let's quickly run around the uh, other games for this round. Uh, we've got the Blues playing the Chiefs over in Auckland. Uh, two teams that suffered losses uh, this last week. Um, who's going to bounce back? Who's going to get the win? Blues for me. Um, up in Auckland, they're going to be disappointed they lost to the Highlanders. They, they were in that game um, the whole time. Uh, the Chiefs look a bit disjointed. Their back line's not what it once was, and the Blues are peaking. like They're coming up, so I'll take the Blues. Yeah, I think the the Blues are going to be very tough at home. I think there's definitely the Blues on the rise, the Chiefs on the slide. For mine, if McKenzie gets back to 15, I'm I'm comfortable tipping the Chiefs. Wait, so you're saying that you're taking the Chiefs? I'm taking the Chiefs. Regardless of if McKenzie moves? I really want McKenzie to move, but I I don't get to hedge my bet, so I'm taking Chiefs. you got some big causes where they are, I like it. A lot of wrong calls as well, but, you know, we'll give you know anything about the Blues? The Blues are going to win the whole New Zealand Conference, all right? They're going to challenge the Crusaders. There's no way that after that strong performance, when they go back to Auckland, they're going to step up and they're going to win this game, all right? You heard it here first. Uh, who, who came last of the two South African conferences last year? Like, if you push those two conferences together, who got the spoon? Uh, I believe... Because I think uh... that's who you're tipping to win that conference this year. Because you've got what? Rebels are going to win Australian Conference and you've got Blues are going to win New Zealand Conference. Are you coming from upside down land or something? This is not going to happen. Just wait and see. You already saw it with the Rebels. You're about to see it this weekend with the Blues. All right. All right, next up we have um, the Stormers are continuing their trip abroad. They're heading over to Christchurch to take on the Crusaders. Shame, though, for the Stormers we didn't mention before, but they're young gun fly half film so it looks like he's reasonably injured i'm not sure how long he's going to be out but i don't suspect he'll be back for this game so that's a real shame for them yeah that's a big that's a big knock to their prospects i, I really liked him after round one and he, he the, the lack of Willemser from about the 50th minute in the waratahs game definitely would have would have culled their chances at, at a, a, a final push in attack but this, I, I don't think their fortunes change, unfortunately. With with Willems out, it's one thing, but they're still travelling. They've had a tough loss. Motivation from a game against the Waratahs, they sure one is going to be enough against this discipline outfit. Yeah, the the Crusaders are going to be, I think I said it last week, they're too, they're too clinical for a team like this. The Stormers' defence will be strong, so maybe it won't be as high scoring as, say, the Crusaders-Chiefs game was, but the Crusaders, I reckon, will do them by 20. Yeah, easy sweep at Crusaders from all of us here then. Next, we're heading over to South Africa. The Bulls are taking on the Lions. And Toby, this is a team that you said the Bulls remind you of the Lions a couple of years ago and then taking on the powerhouse of South African rugby at the moment. Can the Bulls come in and cause some drama here? I don't think they can. And the Lions are going to show the Bulls probably how the Canes should have played against them this weekend because... The Bulls have adopted that kind of lion, free-flowing style. The junior Lions are going to be taught a lesson by Lions Senior. Yeah, I'm on Lions too. 
Same yep. reasons. Lions, same here. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. Next, we head over to our first game of the year in Argentina. The Haguaras finally get a home game, and they get the Hurricanes, who... God, you talk about tough travels, travelling to South Africa for the first game to Pretoria and then straight across to Argentina for the second. Is that going to stop them being able to take away a win here? No, not at all. The Hurricanes are going to be... They won't be happy, man. Like, they're going to be fired up for this game. They would have thought they're going to be on this road trip. Two wins, no losses. Now they're staring down the barrel of perhaps even two losses if they're not on their game over in Argentina where it's a hostile environment. But Bowden will come back in. If Jordy is on tour, he's going to link up with Bowden and they're going to recover from a from a pretty bad loss in week one. So I'm taking the Canes comfortably here. They have to recover. This is two two road losses. Is that's that's a lot to suffer early in the season. So they'll be pulling out all the stops. And and yeah, if they can get that squad on the on the park, like you're talking about, if Bowden's there with Jordy. Yeah, they've got some really good forwards that they should do this as long as they prepare properly. They won't be taking any chances this week. See, I'm I'm looking at a bit of a different narrative between a few of the sparks and a few glimpses of some good good rugby from the Haguaras over the last two weeks and putting together a really tough showing this last game. I reckon you take them home, you give them the pump up of being back with the home crowd, cheering them on. They get good support back in Argentina. I reckon the Haguaris might actually capitalise on a, a tired, sort of a bit beaten down sort of early in the season Hurricanes that aren't quite firing yet. That's a big call, Arch, but I like it. I like I like it because the Haguaris now have nothing to lose. They've dropped two. They're back home. There'll be a little bit of pressure on them, but yeah, the, the Canes are the type of team that you just throw everything at because you're not really expected to win. And maybe it has done them a disservice, the Bulls kind of beating the Canes, because now the Canes will be switched on, they'll be focused. The Canes have gone in and smashed the Bulls and then gone over to Argentina. I think it it may have made them relax a little bit, but now I think the Canes will be pissed and they'll be out for redemption. Well, as always, we'll be looking forward to round three of the Super Rugby, and I can't wait to watch a bit more of these Australian teams score some more tries. But let's pivot a little bit. I mean... We've got we've got other rugby competitions going on in the world. We have a fairly big round in the Six Nations actually go. I know Toby, you've been following this. This is back in your backyard up there. What what did you see this weekend? Take us through the game. Yeah, look, I'm not gonna go into depth because yesterday I spent all day watching rugby. I think I watched seven games or something, eight games, and it's just it's kinda of doing my head in. I didn't watch the France versus Italy game in Marseille on Friday night. But yeah, France took care of Italy pretty comfortably, I think. Um, so Italy haven't won a game in the Six Nations since Feb 2015 now. Should we be giving Georgia a go in this competition? Like, there's been a big push now that Italy are just not up to scratch, so they're not improving. Do you guys think that a nation like Georgia is just a r- kind of ridiculous proposition to be considering bringing them in in place of, of Italy? Or, you know, would you like to see maybe some sort of relegation? Look, that. They can't be worse than Italy. I don't see a reason why you wouldn't be able to give them a chance. I don't know if that means you should be relegating a team, though. I think that's... Or do we go to the Seven Nations? Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to change the name. Like, changing the names of competitions too regularly, I feel like you lose history and lose connection. 
What do you mean? Super Rugby does that all the time. There's no loss of Yeah, I know. I'm really hoping it stops. (laughs) Really hoping it stops. But, like, the... Yeah, for them to change it to to sevens, like there's there's a lot going on. If if you made a change like that, it changes the number of games they're playing. Uh, it it changes travel schedules. Look, the the Georgia idea, they're they're currently ranked higher than Italy. So if they're if they're sustaining that position above Italy and Italy are bad, then you can ask the question. But if you again, if Italy you're going to do bad same... for a long time now, and that's yeah. the problem. They're not going. They're not coming third, then coming sixth, then coming fifth. Yeah, you know, they're, yeah. they're bottom of the the table most years now, and it's. I think and people I are know, getting a little bit restless. And I don't know enough about what's going on in Italian rugby union, unfortunately, to 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 suggest why that's the case. But you know, there's there's ebb and flow for any international side. If you know, a period at the bottom means there's a bit more motivation to to hire some new people, some some bigger names as coaches and. And, and incentivize some players to be involved with your team. Yeah, look, if yeah. Georgia were sustained a, a higher ranking, then then maybe that's a question they'd, they'd consider. I'd, I don't think they'd grow it beyond six, but to have a relegation yeah, no. system gives, gives good incentive to teams like Georgia, Romania, Uruguay. Uh, I mean, not Uruguay. You know, there's, no, there's some European teams there. Romania yeah, and looks... Georgia are the next two. Even this USA. is the problem that... Yeah, I don't think other teams in the Six Nations would agree to it because you've seen it with Scotland. They've had a period of resurgence now, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Scotland, if they were down towards fifth or sixth on the table, they're not going to agree to you know, have a relegation system put in place just out of the chance they have a bad year and then they're out of the Six Nations for the next year. Anyway, we'll jump on to... Then we had Ireland-Wales yesterday, um, which was a... A pretty pretty good game to watch. Um, Wales kind of got dominated in the first half a little bit, um, but it was pretty even throughout. Then Ireland pulled away and Wales kind of started throwing it around. Yeah, Ireland still got there by 10 points, so they're, they're on track for, for a Six Nations Grand Slam. Um, the game we all want to talk about, I think, is um, Scotland-England. Um, <laughs> England. Mate, uh, this this just made me very happy. Like seeing Eddie Jones's face up in the box, just sour face the whole time. He's just, mate. He was, well, yeah. He's had two years of. He's had a great run since he's come in. Has he even lost a game since then? I'm not sure. I feel like he may have lost one or two. To be honest, Scotland were underdogs in this game by a pretty hefty margin. They play up in. They were playing up in BT Murrayfield. Um, we were actually there in, in November, believe it or not, seeing the Wallabies get absolutely trounced by Scotland. So we know the potential they had, but it was an amazing game. England just looked rattled. They weren't playing their normal game. Um, they were making silly mistakes. And Scotland just managed to hold on to the ball and just control the game and just also had amazing defence against England. And towards the end of the game, England kind of went back to their natural patterns. And, yeah, they looked like they... I was never writing them off. Yeah, they could come back at any time. So I was very kind of nervous till the last, say, two minutes of the game. But to see Anthony Watson kind of knock it on in that last set of play, I was just, yeah, it's an amazing feeling to see Scotland get a good win. Because they haven't won against England, I think, against, yeah, maybe 10 years or so now. Um, so it was massive for them. They won back the Calcutta Cup. On the rise. Good to see. Mm. Yeah, it is good to see. 
That's really encouraging when you think about the last sort of six months Scotland's had. They almost pulled out a victory versus the All Blacks. They then came out and beat the Wallabies, and now they've beaten England. So it's a massive sort of a couple of scalps they've taken. And then you're talking about Ireland might be taking the sort of Grand Slam, and that's really ominous, really. It'll be a real test for them because they're coming down to play Australia in the June tests as well. Yeah, three tests against Australia in June. Um, and this sets up a massive game still on St. Patrick's Day, I think on the, the 17th of March, um, Ireland versus England at Twickenham. England still have a chance. I think if they win that game by enough and they've got enough bonus points, they could possibly still win the Six Nations overall. But obviously Ireland will have a tough game next week against Scotland. Um, I think that's in Dublin. And then they come over to Twickenham. A lot going on in the Six Nations, um, and you're seeing, a, I think, a bit more of a, a bit more attacking flair in the Six Nations these days, which is good to see. Um, but I enjoyed those two games yesterday. Well, we'll be counting on you to keep us updated with the Six Nation games. It's always tough for us to follow them down here, down in Australia. Yeah, mate, it's the time zone isn't ideal, but mm. yeah, worth getting up for that St Patrick's Day one, I think. Well, that's all from us, guys. We'll be. Looking forward to watching this next round of games this weekend. And of course, we will be, can't wait to see a few more Australian victories. We'll be back next week with a full recap of those Australian games and tell you what we saw and what we liked and what we didn't like. Until then, guys, feel free to find us and like us on Facebook at Running Rugby Podcast or follow us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast. Lots of news, updates, and video content there that you can. Follow what's happening with the latest trends. As for us, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, and we are now up on Stitcher and Pocket Cast. So if you have an Android phone, I know you've been itching to listen to us. So find us, subscribe to us, give us a review, chuck us five stars. We want to keep this going, want to keep bringing you all the best. Anyway, thanks for tuning in from me, Toby, and Leo. We'll see you next week. Keep on running. Run.